0: As you see on the board, uh, our first message this morning is going to be dealing with the subject of faith and family, particularly in the raising of children. Now, I am not totally ignorant of the uh, church, um, I don't know if audience, uh, I'm kind of struggling for words here. The church audience is for me. I mean, you guys are some experienced parents. You guys, I'm sure, have read many, many books on parenting. Um, If you're like my precious help me, you you know, over by her table next to where she likes to sit in the living room, there's stacks of all kinds of books that really is practical theology applied. And I love dipping down into her book stacks sometimes, Brother Mark, and being reminded... Of while there are these wonderful, important theological foundational structures and truth to why we believe what we believe and why we do what we do, uh, boy, it is nice to be reminded where the rubber meets the road, right? And um, from time to time, admittedly, we will come to these classes, and we might just say up front, and it may be a true statement. You know, I got this thing under control. I'm not really going to learn nothing here. And you could almost be guilty and make the, the mistake of kind of mentally checking out, right? So I'm going to help with that, especially with the, the, the dads in here and the young guys by keeping you engaged in reading the Scriptures and participating. But um, really, I, wanted, I only said all of that to, to say this. You know, um, it's important for us in these faith and family classes to sometimes come back to just the basic fundamentals of raising children, how to be husbands, how to be wives, how to be siblings, brothers and sisters, to the glory of God, uh, how the relationship functions between parents and children, children to parents, so forth and so on, even though they're fundamental. Because what it does, brothers and sisters, even though it may be things that you've heard a hundred times, it helps us to further Uh, perpetuate a culture in our church that makes sure we're all hearing the same thing from scripture about some of the issues that really and truly will fundamentally impact us the most individually as families and as individuals in those families, but also when we come together as family in the local church. Because if we're not from time to time, it's, now, now granted, this sometimes happens organically, right? Around uh, a, a, a fellowship meal, uh, over at somebody's house, right, Brother Scott cutting down wood and, and doing chores together and just living life together. But you would agree that it seems as though the church now doesn't all live within the one mile square radius it did back in the days when there was just one church downtown or down in the town hall. We all met there and we just kind of, we're, we're kind of spread out a little bit more. You know what I mean? And so what ought to kind of happen organically where I'm sharing with brother Mark, you know, about some things going on at home about parenting and we're bouncing ideas and sharpening one another in scripture and, and Aaron or Scott, you know, are doing that. And, and Jessica, you and Jen are kind of doing that. And, you know, while those opportunities become more and more infrequent because of our geographical proximity being spread out, that's why in the local church, when we come together, we have to keep these things on the forefront and talk about them so that when we're talking about, like we will today, about disciplining, you know, uh, we're all kind of being reminded from the word and by our corporate amen. And brothers, it's okay to amen. Uh, when, When we affirm that with our corporate amen, what are we doing there, Mark? What we're doing is we're admonishing one another and we're teaching one another in the truth of God's word about some very important things that really matter the most in our Christian life. And that is how we are governing our families, how we're raising our families, how we are discipling our families. So with all that said, we're going to be looking at raising children in the Lord. That's our topic that we're going to operate under today. And let's first approach that by first recognizing that children from Scripture are taught to be gifts, but they're gifts that come with a responsibility. Now, responsibility, it's not a popular word today, but by God's grace, real men are given a, a great dose of responsibility. Some, well, want to fight against it and, and and some men and and even some mothers will kind of not want to fully step up to it but there does something does fundamentally happen when you are holding your firstborn child in your hands and that is you realize that you're not the center of the world anymore you're given this gift uh, no doubt you ha- uh, wanted the gift and even if you didn't you received the gift it's a gift the bible says that we're going to see in a minute and it comes with a sense of responsibility, and God helps us to have that sense of responsibility. I talked to a pastor friend of mine this week, hadn't talked to him in a long time. Uh, they recently had a child, and I say this to him, like I say to a lot of guys who have their first child, it's not amazing how when you have that child, you immediately would die for that child. There's a sense of responsibility and commitment that wells up within you as a man that, that God has given me something that I have to take care of, that I'm responsible for. And uh, brothers in the church, that's a, that's a wonderful thing that God gives to us. It's a wonderful thing. And they, we see that they're uh, a blessing from the Lord. First in Isaiah 127, verse three, and then I'm gonna call on uh, AJ to read Ephesians 6, four here in a moment. But listen to what the psalmist writes in, in, in Psalms 127, verse three. Lo... Children are a heritage of the Lord. They are His gift. And from the fruit of the womb, it is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, that they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, you could get lost because you want to go in a lot of different directions with that verse. All I want to just focus on is that the children are a heritage of the Lord. But you see, with coupled with the gift, these children are quivers. They're they're kind of given and described in that verse as something that we're to utilize as as gifts for a purpose as quivers and arrows. And that purpose is is to do what? Stand with the enemies at the gate. So now that comes in connection with a great degree of the responsibility that we really want to lay out together as a community of believers. Uh, what are we doing with these arrows? What are we doing with these gifts? What are we, what are we supposed to be doing with these gifts? A.J., what's Ephesians 6.4? Uh, we're going to be into this in our pulpit ministry here pretty soon. What does this say that we're to be doing? Yeah, so here's a particular charge to fathers uh, with authority over their children, and they're called to bring them up. And so immediately here in the house of God, people usually don't kick around on this too much, but, but here in the house of God, we understand that we as the fathers in the church, we're primarily given this task and responsibility to bring them up. Now, bringing them up in the Greek, it doesn't just mean putting clothes on their back, making sure the the three meals a day. On the on, you know that's the the child protective services requirements of your minimum responsibilities. But that's not the Lord's. Encompassed with the bringing them up is a whole host of more things than that. It is providing for, sacrificing for, training, education, so forth and so on. And Exodus twenty twelve. Teaches us that it's not just the father doing it by himself, but that also he has given a helpmeet, right, which is the child's mother, to help him exercise his biblical responsibility to bring them up. Now, a charge to the fathers: this means, and it carries with it, in Ephesians six four, this idea of bringing them up an extra layer of responsibility upon you to minimize anything that would uh, prohibit a successful bringing them up. All right? So while you're not God and you cannot control every single circumstance in life, you do have a great degree of control over your home, so forth and so on, Some more than others. Some still working that out. Marriage is still kind of struggling through that. But the the thing that I want you to get here that is embedded in Ephesians 6.4 is that it's primarily your responsibility to ensure that things that you can remove from the successful bringing them up, in so much as it's in your power, you have to do. Right? So with that said, let's just talk about some easy stuff Dads, that that we could get out of the way for young children, young arrows that are supposed to someday be standing at the gates with the enemies. Let's discuss some some things that we can get out of the way that really, if it's in our control, we ought to get out of the way, right? Some things that could make these arrows uh, unnecessarily dull, unnecessarily blunted unnecessarily useless right one thing that that comes to my immediate mind and i think that the church of christ has to begin to have these conversations is what epistemological the way we obtain knowledge fancy word what is the epistemological foundation for how this young child that's given to you and me you you know given to us what is the epistemological foundation that they are going to stand on to acquire their knowledge. Are they going to stand? Are we as fathers? If it's in our ability, I want to caveat that. I want to caveat that. We're not God. We don't control all circumstances. But if it's in our ability and we can place them in an epistemological framework by which they are taught all things about the ABCs and the 1, two threes through the lens that Christ is King and Creator and Ruler of all things... Ephesians 6.4, bringing them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord means that you have to take that step as a father, make that sacrifice as a mother in so much as it's in your ability. I want to stress that I'm not binding anyone's conscience here in so much as it's in your ability. That is one of the first and most simplest things. I shouldn't say simple, but that is one of the first things that I would say would make an immediate impact in helping bring them up in the admonition of their true Lord. There's other things we can go off into that that would do that. Uh, But I'm just telling you, I think that as the church of Christ, and I would say this in any, any audience, okay, to be fair, we have to begin to have that conversation. And I think what's going on with the same old way for the last 100 years that the visible Christian church has approached this question and this responsibility is primarily given to dads and the heads of households. I think the way we've been doing it is starting to come back around and our very own are going to eat us alive. Why? Because they have been indoctrinated. They have been saturated in an epistemological framework That tells them the faith that your parents believe is a joke. Uh, uh, The the, the worldview in which you live is relative to what you want it to be. You know, the public structure of public education, government-ran public education, is poison to this charge we have as mothers and fathers to bring our children up in the fear of the national Lord. And if I had to go any further with that statement with a group of Christians, I would just simply ask, do you have a hood, a sackcloth over your head? Do you not read the news? Do you, when's the last time you visited or rode the school bus or was in the cafeteria with your kid? You know, I just don't think we're being honest with ourselves. And so that was one application. Why am I talking about it this morning? I was with a pastor this week. And I don't know why pastors and we were ironing. we love each other, we're good brothers. I just don't know why pastors are so scared to have this conversation. I told him I don't understand why we're we're at the point we can't choose not we can't we can't choose we just got to avoid this conversation anymore. We can't. We have to reform in this area of raising the next generation. We have to reform Semper Reformanda. I could while I can't exclusively say you have to educate you know, you have to educate your children in this particular mode or model, or it's sin. I cannot say that biblically. That's going outside of the bounds of Scripture, brothers. All right? I can say you do, in so much as you are able, have a responsibility to bring them up an understanding in how they learn and acquire their knowledge from a Christian worldview. And as the Christian church, we got to figure that out. Because, you know, you start getting a lot of hypotheticals. Well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I don't know, but but, but I believe Scripture is sufficient to teach us and help us. And I believe there's enough gifts in the body of Christ in order to make it happen. So I'll die on that hill. So moms and dads are working together, trying to do all they can, right, to bring up these gifts that they've been given. They, they, They have this authority. They must exercise that authority. How? Um. With, well, much discernment, uh, let's have uh, brother Mark, would you turn to colossians three twenty three twenty one? Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Yeah, so this is explicitly talking to the fathers, just like Ephesians six four was. understanding the team. Um, we'll call it complementarianism between mother and father. I use that word carefully. Some of you read stuff on the internet and things like that. Um, um, I'm not going to get lost on that. You can ask me later. But basically what I'm saying there is that uh, a a, a man and a woman in a marriage, they know their roles, they know their God-given roles, and they're working together. And while this charge is given to the father primarily, uh, you know, moms, you can provoke your kids to anger too. It's not just the dads. And and guess what, moms? You're with the children more than dad. And so don't look at this and say, oh, that's just talking to my husband. While it is, yes, it is in the context. Don't allow the principal to escape, you know, um, really your your radar there. So how are we going to provoke them to anger? Of course, you've heard this talk before. Pushing them to do things they cannot do. Disciplining, chastising verbally or physically over things that perhaps they... I didn't make clear, right, Aaron? I, I I didn't articulate the rules clear enough, and so something is done silly or whatever, and and foolishly, and then I'm going to you know bring the wrath down. Uh, we got to grow in these things if we're doing that. That's not bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and exercising our authority in their lives properly. Is just going to provoke them to anger. Well, I talked about when they're conceived. We all know, uh, but for the sake of young guys in here, and again, you know, I, I say this sometimes, you know, the singles in the church, we have a couple um, single adults, you know, young adults in the church. Uh, when we talk about these things, don't think like, oh, this is for mom and dad's sermon. This, I don't need to listen to this. No, because, you know, your mom and dad, you right now, while you may be praying the Lord would, you know, bring you someone that you could intermarriage with, once that happens, you would follow um, the example of Isaac in Genesis 25, 21. Isaac entreated the Lord for a wife. He was praying for a wife. And then he was praying that he would have a son or a daughter. He would have a, he would have a son. We pray for and your parents too did the same thing. We prayed that the Lord would bless us for children. And so your parenting in a way as a young adult begins long before you have children. You begin to parent by thinking like a parent. You begin to pray for children uh, according to the Lord's will and and what your parenting would look like, you know. Um, Things you would do the same as mom and dad. Things you would change a little bit, but still within, you know, the confines of Scripture. You you begin to be a parent long before the time comes. And when it comes, um, young men in the church, guess what? Uh, You do have to massage feet. And you will love doing it because it's your wife. She's pregnant. She needs you to tenderly care for her. You will have to go when your dead dog tire after work to get her the quart of ice cream, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And, and, and this is what being a sacrificial husband is. Levi's smiling because he knows his dad's probably had to do that a couple of times. We go and we tenderly care for them, but it's not just the man caring for the woman. It's the woman caring for the child. Okay. Maybe this is kind of like, Oh, well, of course, well, you know, sisters in the church, when you do have a child given to you in your womb by the Lord, ultimately it is the gift from the Lord and carries with it a responsibility from you to take care of that child in your womb. And so while there may be some still coming out of that problem of smoking and that problem of other things, if there's anything that you're doing that you know Medically, scientifically, can be proven to impact the child in your womb. You have a responsibility that's greater than your own wants, habits, or desires. And that is you have to take care all that you can within your means. Again, I want to emphasize that of the child in your womb. So what happens when the child comes? Let's get to the point. That was just a lot of talking of groundwork about when the child actually comes. The child comes. Um... And we're to start laboring to bring them unto a proper understanding of the faith. So what are some means that we're going to do that? What has God given us as parents some means to do that? Well, let's start off by going to Psalms 78, 5 through 7. I'll start using the board a little more. Sorry, I wasn't doing that. We'll try to kind of track through the rest of this lesson on the board. Psalms 78, 5 through 7. Let's just talk about some of the means that the Lord gives us in order to do that. Psalms 78, 5-7. through seven. and, and, and Brother Aaron, if you could read that for us. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to be their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments so guys look at verse number seven that they the children who are being taught by their fathers the law of God that they might that they might. So the the Bible testifies to the sovereignty of God in our parenting, even in the realm of their salvation and us fulfilling our duties of teaching them the Scriptures. But notice this vital, intimate connection between us teaching our children the Bible and how the Lord may, might use it. And so if we have this witness from Scripture that this is a way which God has commanded us to, to be fathers, and as helpmates, mothers helping to do that, that the Lord might use that word to teach, uh, to bring them to a proper understanding of salvation of Christ. Why would we ever forfeit that? It's a means that God's given us. So we have to figure out in our daily regiment um, with this beautiful gift that God's given us, this mind, this life of teaching them the Bible. It can't be just on Sunday, the pastor doing a, a lesson, you know, especially me, it has to be a father and a mother teaching the Bible in their lives on a daily basis. And perhaps that's in the convenient time of family worship. Um, you know, does that mean you have to get you know, John Gill's systematic theology and go through that? No, it doesn't mean that. But maybe when your children get older, you'll enjoy doing that. And, and then we have to get creative, right, with all the different ages in our family. How can we, sometimes we feel like with Nolan and Lily, who's 14 and 19, that we're leaving Nene, who's six, kind of behind in some things. And so we try to tweak our family worship to try to make sure she's being brought up. And I want to make sure whenever I'm using my family and example, brothers and sisters, I'm not ever trying to say this is, you know, the perfect picture of how to do it. I, I say that sometimes. I never want to come across like I'm just trying to share my life experience with you to try to see how this may flesh out in your own lives you know Um, but teach our children the bible not only are we teaching them the bible but we also want to make sure that we're teaching them how to read well we're teaching them how to read well that that's very important I mean I know we you guys probably the same in this church but one of the main things that we're most concerned about is the beginning of how to read in the minds of the children because with reading you can learn anything right and they can fully apprehend and they can comprehend what they're reading in the bible uh, they'll grow in that understanding they can comprehend what you're trying to teach them through catechisms and other helpful books um but while we want to teach them the bible you see on the board let's go to deuteronomy 6 we not only just want to have that kind of purposeful teaching time to the bible uh, brothers in the church and sisters in the church, we've got to have that also time where we're talking the Bible with them. And this comes out in Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. through 7. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. Brother Scott, are you there? Can you read that? In these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children by the way and when thou down, and when thou up. so God gives us the means of first his word to teach them the Bible, open it up, read it with them, you know have some sort of way where we're trying to teach them some facts and application of scripture but then this is really truly I think almost more of an impactful way in daily relationships and families to where we're actually talking the Bible with them. We're talking Scripture with them. Uh, You know, Dad, you're on a ride, going to run an errand, you know, uh, loading wood, just doing fishing. Mom, you know, you're with the daughter doing the girl thing. Are we talking Scripture? Are you, you know, and I find myself sometimes, to be honest, you know, just wanting to enjoy the the time together with my children, and not feel pressured as a parent or a father that I, okay I got to use this to to you know make a, a lesson out of it or you know probe make sure he's getting the five points of Calvinism down and all that you know you just want to be a dad and have a relationship you know uh, with your children, but at the same time you almost can fall into the rut to where all of your dad son mother daughter dad daughter you know time it never really is talking about the things of the lord um i find myself doing that sometimes and i'm like you know i've been with him like six hours today He's hanging out with the dad and we've never we haven't while we've had great heart connection talking about other things we haven't really discussed anything about the lord uh, i haven't asked his thought about a particular thing i've been reading in the bible what do you think about that you know just things of the lord talk scripture Try to be purposeful about that. This is one of the means the Lord's given us as fathers and as mothers in the lives of our children to kind of keep on the surface the the things that uh, they're learning. It it offers a good opportunity to answer questions, doesn't it? The the child's going to have questions, especially as they get older. A lot of questions. I shouldn't say as older. Actually, The younger ones have more questions, it seems like, sometimes. But uh, it it just provides that platform, that environment, to be able to interact with one another on a one-on-one basis. Well, there's another means um, that we are to employ, and this is perhaps the one that, I don't know, gets talked about least in the church, and that is the the, uh, means of raising children that God's given us, and that is exercising the use of the rod in disciplining. Um sin, we know from Romans 5.12, has entered into the hearts of all mankind, whoever's been brought into the world. And uh, pride and rebellion clings to our hearts. And um, Proverbs 22.15, you can turn there if you're not already there. We're just going to walk down through the scripture on the board. Proverbs 22.15 does teach us that correcting with a rod helps maintain and, in this context of this verse, drive out such foolishness. Proverbs twenty two. Fifteen, The use of the rod. Um, this isn't dad's favorite thing to do. Uh, it's not mom's favorite thing to do. But we do see in scripture, and this is what we want to lay out in the context of our community as a church here today. Uh, you know, anyone who disagrees with the Bible, we could talk later about it. But as a church culture here, we're affirming the Bible does say spanking is part of the means by which God gives parents to help raise and discipline their children and to disciple their children. This is the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. Proverbs 22.15. Nolan, let's call the young men to read these verses. Proverbs 22.15. So in this verse the Bible calls this the rod. And the contrary to popular belief, physical discipline administered to correct disobedience, the Bible they're calling it foolishness, is not an act of abuse or hatred, but rather it's a necessary act of love. It's a necessary act of love. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty-four, who has that handy? That's where we're going next. This demonstrates this. It's loving to use the rod of correction, spanking, corporal discipline, sometimes referred. It's a necessary act of love. Isaac, you got that? So by God's grace, the pain of spanking, sticking to my notes here, teaches children lessons about the consequences of their actions, of their sins, and can ultimately be used to demonstrate that you actually care enough right, about them in order to use means which aren't pleasant to yourself to try to correct them. And um, I'm sure all the children in here today who have received a spanking, I I pray that you have also been told, uh, this isn't fun for me by your mom or your dad. I I don't enjoy doing this, but God commands me to do this. And not only do I do it because God commands me, but out of a heart of a love for you, I also do it. And so now listen to the counsel I'm going to give you, listen to what this correction is all about, et cetera, et cetera. So you understand now children in the church, are raising you as christian parents the lord gives us this charge to use the rod to actually use spanking and um, any parents in here raised up in a home that's not even that wasn't even christian we had the rod brought to us and this biblical pr- principle even in the life of non-christians still served to be true still served to be true how many times did you know you'd have to face dad and so it curbed certain behaviors and things of that nature right and dad, what even a Christian, perhaps? So this Christian or this Christian pr- principle, this biblical principle, actually works in all of society, and that's really a large part of the problem in society today. Is we've truncated, we've tied parents' hands with pseudo psychology uh, to try to criminalize spanking, to try to criminalize you know, the use of the rod, and so now you basically got a bunch of kids out here in this culture. That are a bunch of punks wanting to try to rule the parents and teach the and teach the parents. Uh, it, it's I I would I I feel sorry for public school teachers today, with the attitudes and the bravado, you know, of, of young people today. Um, just yeah, it would be interesting. I don't have we don't have any public school teachers in our family. Um, I do know Nick Jackson. Uh, he's talked to me some. He's preached here a couple times. He's a substitute teacher. And he tells me some things, and I'm just like, man, you know, I thought it was bad when I was in school. Uh, it's even ten times worse now. And then what we see in larger society and culture, what's going on with the self-entitlement attitude, you know, uh, the victim mentality, you know, it's even just, it's amplifying this problem. Uh, you know, you, you can't do nothing to me, so forth and so on. So it's, it's, it's proven to be true, the warning in Scripture, of the, the children ruling their parents. Um, well what happens when we don't do this men primarily the the responsible one uh, to do this it's easy for us uh, to turn a blind eye but again we repeat these things in our church culture to help remind ourselves we need to you know shake off laziness Uh, you know it's easy for us to hear a, a talk back comment it's easy for us to hear you know someone being unkind to their sibling and not really want to get involved right Uh, If I ask for a show of hands, I know you dads would raise your hand. I I fall into that too. But the failure to discipline one's children, it will, hear the word of Scripture, it will bring shame and grief to the parents. This is what Proverbs 29.15 teaches. Um, AJ, you got that handy? Proverbs 29.15. And then we got a whole host of Scriptures in Proverbs. We'll go next, but... If we don't do this, parents in the church, understand it is going to bring grief and shame into our lives. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I'll never forget we um, <laughs> we were having a church fellowship bill. And. Um, we're having a good old time, and one of the children come into the, the back room back there and said, uh, didn't try to be, they were all, the kids were a little bit younger, there was no incognito, you know, of the announcement, but someone come into the fellowship room back there and said, Dad, so-and-so's on top of Mr. So-and-so's car, and I, and, and I was like, oh, well, you need to go tell his dad, right, and right there in the room, everybody in there. So so goes there, tells the dad, and you saw the mother's face. <gasps> you know, I can't believe it's our son on on the top of there. And guys, it wasn't a. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't say that. I mean, but it it was like, it was like a very expensive car. You know, um, and the the her face was white as a ghost, brother. You know what I'm saying? Just the shame. Like oh, we you know. Now, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. Now, how many of you have been in churches where because these things are not talked about, and now granted, we don't... I, let's be careful right here, guys. When that happened, we would be at fault to automatically think, oh, they are such horrible parents. No, 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 they could be very good parents, right? You know what I mean? But it wouldn't be totally wrong either to say, you know what, maybe they need to be using that rod a little bit more. That boy would never be he would never be tempted. Because the word of God's true. If he was getting the rod, that boy would not have dared to get on top of his mama. And we're talking somebody who was like 11, 12, 13 years old. He's around that age. It was not a little kid. We're talking about a big kid. And everyone's like, okay, we need to pray about that. and and, you know brothers in the church pastor in the church and you come along brother so-and-so and kind of see what's going on there you know and help not judge but just try to help you see but that proverb's true you spare the rod and it will bring some shame it will bring some grief and in that particular context there was a lot more grief behind it and you know what the problem was brothers and sisters in counseling it was the problem of not using the rod. The mother had been convinced by some phony Christian pseudo-psychology on the internet that spanking actually was counterproductive. And now I'm trying to, from the Bible, teach her and her husband, you have got to start using the rod with the young man right there at the age of 13 years old. And you should have seen that young man's face when I'm telling his parents, oh yeah, see, you've never really been disciplined with the rod. And so now these behaviors, the Bible is sufficient. It has remedies for it. So, Dad, what you gonna, <laughs> don't use the little wooden spoon. Okay, that, he's, he's a big boy now, right? He gets the big boy paddle. I've, I've told you guys about the big boy paddle story, right? No? Yeah, Jen, you haven't heard of that? Okay. Well, there was a time my parenting where as the children get over now right this is using the rod so let's talk about the rod for a minute i've heard some sermons where pastors are all trying to you know the rod was this and they're trying to you know explain it and get all technical about it so and that's fine that's great but really, the rod was something just to, for the purpose of, well, you don't want to get caught up in the elements of the Lord's supper. You don't want to get it caught up in, well, you're being unbiblical if you don't use the exact rod. It, it's child abuse if you use this or whatever. No, the, the, the point is, is there's this uh, 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 fatty tissue area on the backside uh, of our anatomy And uh, it's there, and it's a little sensitive. And and the the rod was used to inflict some sort of pain to let the child know that behavior is not accepted. So it's it's correction. So anything that can be used as a rod, right? Obviously, a hammer is not a rod. You know, uh, My grandma used to think a coat hanger was a rod. I wouldn't advise that, okay, because it leaves whelps, so forth and so on. But you do have to use an appropriate rod. It does, it does have to have the effect. So there was one time in my parenting... When I we used to always use a wooden kitchen spoon, we know who started using that first, right? It's in the kitchen, first thing you can grab. That started being used first, and it was effective. It worked. It has that flat end on the on the end of it, a wooden spatula or whatever. But then I started noticing that as the children got a little older, I, I couldn't tell if it was a fake cry or if it was really. You could really tell it was doing its job, right? So after thinking about it and just meditating on it i said you know the the children are bigger now and dad we need to have a bigger wooden spoon so the guys uh we were working those of you in our house the screened in porch we were doing that we're working on that and there was a bunch of that trim that you love wood trim left over it's like the three quarter inch trim right five 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 and a half inches wide there's a bunch of that laying around and, and you know what uh why I believe you know the Lord speaks to us through His Word. I, I I'm telling you, I just had a thought pop in my head. Hey, that trim, that's the, I could cut that and I could make a paddle out of that trim. And so <laughs> there's a story. in let me tell you this: I was in the workshop. <laughs> And I drew a little paddle outline on it, and I'm over there on the, on the jigsaw, I table saw, you know, and I'm cutting and everything. And he comes out that workshop, and he says, you know, he's just probably come out there and hanging out. He wasn't in trouble or anything. Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm making a paddle. And he's looking at the wood, and he's quiet for a second. He goes, yeah, right, like that, you know. And I turned around, and I said, son, you and Lily you're getting big, and we need a bigger paddle. <laughs> and he saw that I was being serious. He didn't say a word. He just walked out of the workshop. He didn't want to, I don't know what he came come out there for. I think he wanted to come out there and build something, maybe. But he just said that maybe dad's not to be hung out with today. <laughs> and I wasn't mad. I was just taking care of business, right? And, uh, of course, I wrote some of these verses on that paddle on the back. You know, I put a big I, heart, you, and wrote these Bible verses. And try to always remember, that's my rem- reminder, that, hey, I'm going to communicate to you. I'm to do this as a Christian father, so forth and so on. So anyhow, back to the kid with the shame, with the grief. Uh, make sure that the rod is appropriate for the child. Uh, I, I'm, this is my family. I wouldn't use that big boy paddle on nay, you know, so forth and so on. It's common sense stuff, right? Well, uh, that goes without saying, my next point was um, angry parents who discipline and rage, they're going to create a home of rage, uh, a home of strife. Um, I have fallen in this ditch, especially when I was a younger father. Um, I would discipline out of anger. And, um, you know, I've told my children this. Uh, I've I've asked for forgiveness at times. Um, I just, that's one of the things, if I could go back, listen to me, young men. And any dads here, I don't think any of you dads are doing this. But you young men, when you become a father, please don't make the mistake I made with reacting on your children um, and wanted to use the rod out of anger. Pray, take time, control yourself. Some of us men more than others were, you know, uh, just more take charge. And, and I'm telling you, if I could do anything over again, I would go back and relearn that. And, and and implement discipline differently. Um, so yeah, don't don't discipline in anger. This is what all those scriptures up there are about. Proverbs fifteen one, uh, verse eighteen. Proverbs fifteen eighteen, chapter 22, 23 to twenty five. And then we were talking about Ephesians six four. That will provoke your children in anger. And really, honestly, let me say just a word to you, young people in here. If your father had done that, um, whatever misunderstandings that you might have about the uh, improper way or the mistakes that your dad or mom made in discipline and anger about the faith, about Christianity, Um, you know, as a word of admonition, you're not going to be able to lay that before uh, the throne of God and say, well, this is why I never have, you know, come to the Lord Jesus and and believed in the Christian faith because my my mom and dad, you know, back when I was, you, you can't, guys, that won't fly at the throne of God. And at the same time, you know, you would have to admit you've done a lot of messed up things, too. You, you have messed up yourselves. And so this is the whole aspect of what I'm talking about here. That we have to forgive one another. We have to let water be under the bridge, right? And, and we have to move forward in our lives. So anyways, um, the fourth means of raising our children, is to be the last one, is to offer wise counsel throughout their life. This becomes especially important as the children grow older. Sometimes, as our kids get older, we think that they're a little bit more independent and they don't need our counsel. And uh, but actually, they need us a lot more. Uh, they're considering, they're praying about future spouses. They're they're praying and considering about what they're going to do after they get out of high school and so forth and so on. So back about talking scripture, this is where we're really trying to come alongside our adult children who we have raised up at this point to start walking on their own two feet. We still are there, but we're not necessarily in the proximity of right next to them, holding their hand. Aaron, you hold the little one's hands now when you cross the street, but I hope you're not holding AJ's hand when you cross the street now, right? You trust him, you've taught him, you know, how to walk across the street, and hopefully you have also taught him, right? Right? Uh, how to navigate a certain decisions and crossroads so that he can apply his faith. And this is what we do as dads and moms. We're walking next to them for a long time, and then we're kind of walking behind them. And that becomes increasingly more needed as they become older. Um, what about when they get married? What happens when they become married, and now you know, they're one flesh in a marriage, husband and wife with someone. Where does the Christian's parents' counseling stop? Where's the boundaries for that? Well, it doesn't stop. And I want you to read uh, Proverbs 23 22 to, to demonstrate this before we talk about the boundaries. Wise counsel. Of course, when they're young, you know. Children, listen to the counsel of your parents. They've been children before. Uh, Teenagers, young adults, listen to the counsel of your parents. They've been in your shoes before. They've they've had many of your same problems. Young men, talk to your fathers. Talk to your fathers. Tell them what's going on in your life. I believe, and I know this to be true, young men and fathers have a harder time opening up and talking to one another for whatever reason. Girls seem to do it more naturally, young men and fathers. So dads, you have to. Your boy is not going to talk about you in about certain conversations that he wish he could have with you unless you probe that conversation and you initiate that conversation. You know your son. You know the right timing for it. But you need to be praying and thinking about the wisdom of how to enter in certain conversations because he's just not going to knock on your door and say, Dad, I want to talk about A, B, and C. That's not going to happen, guys. Dad, you have to uh, foster those conversations to give him the counsel that he needs as a young man. Proverbs twenty three twenty two. 22. Um, Scott, you got that one? What's it say? Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Right. So, listen, despise not, your elderly parents, even when they're older, they still have counsel. But where's the boundary of that counsel? Uh, you ought to, and we still ought to as we get older, want the counsel of the hoary head. Go to them and listen to them. They've lived life longer, they've made some mistakes, so forth and so on. But always remember that when you have a marriage, you have begun your family, right? and you just heard from Scripture that you are admonished not to forsake the counsel of your older parents, but remember, if their counsel is what laundry detergent you should use in your washer, you need to learn the art of respecting and listening, but at the same time, understanding that you're not yoked and bound by that counsel. Does that make sense? If you're calling them about the council of the doctrine of the Trinity because you're starting to have second thoughts on it, you've been reading or listening to some internet guru, and your older parent says that is explicit sin to believe that teaching. Though I'm not going to say it that way, but actually when you get older, you do to say things that way, right? If they say that, that's biblical truth. That's biblical doctrine, and you 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 better had listened to their counsel. So I'm just trying to you know show as you get older, children, and as parents, our interaction with them. Because sometimes think about, and it's just it's it's almost natural, right, for those who love the gift, who take the responsibility serious. You're walking with them. You know, don't turn there watch out for that and and they're moving forward in life and you're kind of letting them move forward in life a little bit there's still that tendency of wanting to tell them every single thing in their counseling and we can't do that as parents we we have to stay balanced we can give counsel but remember we, we ought to not present our counsel as if our child has to do it it needs to be counsel you know and usually, sometimes, it should only be given when we're asked, right? Because the next thing you know, we're still kind of almost running their house in a way. Um, so, I don't know. I'm getting off track there. We'll all figure that out. Most of our children here are not married yet, but we'll cross that road when we get there. And it's good as a church culture just to kind of keep each other, right, talking about these things. So, um, where do we want to go with this? We need to wrap it up. Lastly, as far as counsel, our lives lived as an example. Uh, we're not going to go to Matthew 23.3, but this is where Jesus, you know, is exhorting the Pharisees and the, and, the, uh, and the Sadducees, saying, look at you, you hypocrites. You know, you say this, you do this, or you preach this, you say this and do this, but you don't dip it, do it, you don't leave it. I was going to go there to say that nothing will produce, I have here in my notes, more hellbound hypocrites than a Christian home where mom and dad talk one thing, but they live totally contrary to it. Uh, that's the that's the best means that we're given, right? And so that encourages us as a Christian moms to uh, moms and dads to really harness <laughs> our emotions, uh, sanctify before the Lord, and um, have some joy and peace with parenting, right? Uh, it, sometimes our kids probably think like, man, my mom and dad. Like they must hate being parents. Uh, I I hope no you children think that because I know the parents in this church they don't think that. Uh, But you need to remember that your mom and dad have a lot on their plate, and uh, sometimes it may not always exhibit itself as the joy that they really truly have of you know parenting you in the faith and and raising you in the Lord. And so moms and dad just an admonition to us, right? Watch our example. Uh, It's one of the most powerful means that we have given to us by God in order to uh, influence and raise our children for the Lord. All right, that's it. I had a lot of jumbled notes here, but I hope that the Lord will take what we said and uh, uh, help us to to grow in those things and um, to further other discussions, and conversations amongst ourselves as families and as parents. All right. Uh, Brother Mark, would you close with a word of prayer, please? Lord, we thank you for this time, this teaching, Lord, that we can uh, uh, come together and, and study your word to uh, figure out and encourage each other on uh, what your word says to us about being parents and future parents as well, Lord. How are we going to uh, raise our children, Lord? But first of all, we we are children, we are children of you, and Lord, help us to, uh, uh, to really grasp what that. Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless the rest of our time, bless our fellowship, and uh, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's take a short